This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run! At the plate is Mike Trout, the pitch on its way, it's blasted out to dead center field! Out of here! Ball gets away! He's gonna break for the plate! Ball game is over! The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning! This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast. My name is Trent Rush. So glad that you are with us here today. A lot going on in the world of baseball. It seems like there is some traction getting closer, hopefully, to a start of the season in early July. I know that the owners and the players have a lot to work out still in this, but after seeing some of the news in the last you know week, week and a half, I'm telling you, I'm starting to get a lot of optimism. I'm feeling better about what is to come, and I'm looking forward to this podcast here because we're going to have Terry Smith, uh, Voice of Angels Baseball, talk about the state of the baseball situation right now when he expects baseball uh, to come back. And we're also going to take some time going into Terry's career, his journey throughout it. You know, Terry Smith, for the last 18 seasons, has been the voice of Angels baseball. He is the longest tenured play-by-play voice in the history of the franchise. So it's a voice you are very familiar with when listening to Angels baseball. And I'm really excited that we were able to have Terry on to share about his story you know, before he came to the Angels, he was actually a broadcaster in Columbus, Ohio, where he did the Yankees AAA affiliates games, uh, but also Ohio State football. And he's got a pretty cool story about a familiar name that you're used to seeing and hearing a lot of if you're a college football fan. So I'm really looking forward uh, to you getting a chance to hear Terry Smith's story in that regard. And we just talk about a lot of things, uh, life as well. And um, I think that Terry offers great advice for how we can cope with the troubles uh, that have come with this pandemic and dealing with the coronavirus and also just life lessons that we can learn from and uh, become better people and it's good stuff uh, from Terry Smith so I won't take uh, any more of your time here it's a long conversation with Terry and I hope you stay through all of it because it's really good so here now the voice of Angels Baseball Terry Smith He is the voice of Angels baseball, Angels play-by-play man since 2002. Terry Smith is joining us now here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Terry, great to hear your voice. How are you, man? Trent, um, all things considered, I'm doing very well, and I'm anxious for baseball to return. I feel optimistic it's going to return shortly. It's going to return in a form that none of us, from players to fans to broadcasters, have ever witnessed before. But I do sense it's going to be back, and I, I hope it comes as quickly as I'm thinking it will. It definitely does seem like that there is some uh, waves moving in that optimistic direction, and I'm excited for that. Um, I, you know, is there anything that you're kind of hearing now, Terry, about you know what what baseball could be like when it comes back, and when you think it could come back? Well, Trent, uh, you know, I said I'm hopeful, and there seems to be a little breaking of the the, the ice as far as that's concerned. And, um, you know, I I don't know a whole lot more than anyone else that's a fan of the game. But certainly as far as how the the country and even the world is handling the coronavirus right now, you're starting to see some of the restrictions lifted, certainly in the U.S. and and abroad as well. So with that said, you know, I'm I'm living now in Arizona, Arizona. Things have not affected this state as much as other states, but certainly California and New York are examples, and Texas and Florida and New Jersey and, and some of those states are the ones that have been the most adversely affected. But I, I think we're getting to a point where it's just uh, an issue, 
as far as baseball returning between the, the owners and the players. I mean, major league owners have uh, put a proposal together that they've presented to the players. Um, you know, that happened over a week ago. There's still some loose ends to be, uh, you know, tied up. I think they're going to be tied up. I think uh, baseball can be very uplifting for the entire country when it returns, especially the regular season. There'll obviously be a, uh, uh, spring training too that, that comes about before the regular season begins. But I, I, I'm very hopeful that things are going to uh, break in the month of June. We're not that far away. We're a couple weeks away as we're talking right now. And it'll be spring training too. It'll probably last three weeks, maybe slightly more. And I think by the first week in July, we're going to have the, the regular season return. It's going to be in a totally different form than we're used to. Fourth uh, of July might be a, a good start for the regular season. I, I've heard that date mentioned. I've heard July 1st as well. Sometime in the first week in July, I think we're going to have regular season baseball. And, and it would be very patriotic for it to happen as far as most teams opening in the regular season on the 4th of July it would be uplifting for the country. And I'm, I'm very hopeful and, and pretty confident as well that we're going to see regular season baseball come the month of July. Terry, I'm glad that you said that. I tend to agree with you on all of those fronts, but especially the 4th of July comment, because that kind of stuff matters. I mean, just just this past week, we had the Thunderbirds flying over. There was a great shot of them flying right over the big A, and it was cool to see that. That kind of stuff matters, and, and baseball for a long time has been a point of a rallying cry for the country in times of need, and you know this would be no exception uh, as long as both sides can get things figured out and we get back uh, to playing baseball. Terry, I have to ask you, I would imagine it's been a very long time since you've had an April and May off, essentially. Oh, what what is uh, what has this time been like for you? <laughs> you know, it's funny you said that, Trent, because I, I, I sent a, a, a text out to uh, some family members and, and some friends uh, back in, in April, and, and this, this is true because uh, I got married in 1982, and ironically, um, my wife and I, Sonia, were married on 9-11, uh, 9-11 back in, in 1982 didn't mean anything other than it was our wedding anniversary. Little did we know, you know, decades later what 9-11 means to this country. But I, I, I mention that because when we were married in 1982, uh, I was doing baseball uh, back then, and, and that was, uh, you know, in my minor league days. And I had not experienced a full month of April where I saw my wife every single day, every day for a month of April in our entire married life. <laughs> and again, we were married in 1982. Let's fast forward now to, you know, April of 2020. I saw my wife every single day in the month of April for the first time since we ever knew each other. And so that was, uh, and, and we're finding, uh, I found out I'm uh, uh, maybe more compatible with my wife now than I ever was. <laughs> it, it took all those years. So, uh, and I had to share that with some, some other announcers as well, because some of the older announcers were, are probably in the same boat and maybe didn't think about that. So uh, it, it's been, it's been different. Um, you know, the one thing that, that this April and now into May and ever since spring training was stopped in, in, in March, it, it, it's made me miss the game even more than I thought I would miss it. So uh, it, I, that's why I'm so excited to, to think that it's going to return in whatever form or fashion it returns. I, I just want to see it played again. I mean, it's, it's been such a huge part of my life. I've, I've been involved in this sport for professionally for uh, some 40 years and you know now that it was taken away not of my choice or really anyone's choice it, you know it was, it's just what happened from a medical standpoint it was it was taken away from me and from all of us who, who love this game it, it just makes me appreciate it even more and it's been such a gigantic and huge part of my life um, you know, and it's something that that I really miss, and I'm I'm hopeful and 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 
glad. I think that it, it could possibly be returning here within the next month and a half. And if that happens, uh, in whatever form it takes place as far as how the games are played and, and, and what the restrictions are going to be, uh, I'm all in as far as having it return in any fashion whatsoever. For sure. I'll tell you this. I mean, I've been, you know, I have I've really left my house very little uh, during this time. We adopted a pup. We adopted a puppy, Terry. I know I sent you some pictures of that. Yeah. Uh, but we adopted yep. a puppy, and uh, and between that and the stuff we have going on the honeydew list, I'm in year one of my marriage. And uh, I tell you, uh, I think being at the ballpark was a little bit less work than what I got going on right now. Uh, so I'm ready for baseball to come back too. Terry, let's talk about uh, your career for a moment because, I mean, sure. you were somebody that uh, for a long time, um, aspirations of being in the major leagues, you had a, a, a great run in Columbus before you finally came to the Angels in 2002. Uh, but before that, when did you ever first start to think that you wanted to be a major league baseball announcer? Well, um, I, I'll go back to my youth, Trent, to be quite honest with you, and at, at one point uh, in my teenage years, I, I kind of realized that I wanted to get into broadcasting, the, the, and eventually it turned into sports broadcasting. Initially, it, it wasn't so much in sports, and, and I'll tell you why. I, I did something that, that I look back at now in my senior year in high school that I think kind of paved the way for me to pursue a career in broadcasting, and what that was was this. When I was a senior in high school, um, our lead guidance counselor came up with what they called a work-study program. And basically what it was, it was an internship for a, a high school senior at our school. If there was a profession that you were interested in, in, in high school as a teenager, our, our school, if, if your grades were good enough, and you showed, uh, you know, a very sincere interest in a certain profession, they tried to line up basically an internship for you your senior year in high school. So my senior year in high school, I only went to our school four days a week. And every Tuesday, instead of going from my house to our high school, I went from our house to a radio station. And this was all set up by our guidance counselor. And I grew up in Philadelphia. I'm from the East Coast originally. And so my senior year in high school, every Tuesday, uh, and it had to be during the, the normal school hours, I went to a radio station. And that turned out to be the, the, the selling point for me that it was what I wanted to pursue as soon as I graduated and, and moved into college. Now, when I was at the radio station, it was a uh, kind of a top 40 radio station, and that was back in the uh, boss jock days, way before you were born, Trent. But, but folks back in, in Southern California, I'm sure, remember the, the days of the boss jocks, and, and that, that, that was, to me, maybe a, a golden age of uh, radio from a, a DJ standpoint. The, the disc jockeys back in those days, were kind of more popular even than the music. Uh, every city had major disc jockeys who, who were idolized, and, you know, they, they did more than just, um, you know, play records. They usually talked after each song, and they told you who the artist was, and they told you the name of the song. You don't really hear that nowadays on radio. You hear a lot of music, but you don't hear, unless you're, going to research it yourself it's hard to even know who the artist was of the song you just heard nowadays on the radio because no one's ever saying that anymore but back in those days and that was in the in the late 70s radio was different and to me i, I think it was probably the, the the golden age of radio because dish jockeys in in cities were were idolized and rightfully so they they were huge parts of their community um so to kind of wrap up that, that phase of my, my background, the, the thing that was very enlightening, though, Trent, was in that one school year where I went to the radio station once a week. By maybe mid-school year, I, I go in one Tuesday, and I walk in, and there was another fellow student of mine who, there were two of us that went to the same station every 
Tuesday once a week during our senior year. We, we walk in one Tuesday morning and we find out that basically all the on-air people that were working at that station the week before and the weeks we had been going there were no longer employed. They had completely changed the staff. The, the station uh, underwent a slight format change, and basically all the, the disc jockeys who we had gotten to know and a lot of other behind-the-scenes people, music director, program director, some people in the sales end of, of the operation of the radio station, general manager, they, they basically, what, what they say, cleaned house. So that, that was eye-opening. We had kind of developed a, a friendship with a lot of those people. They were they, a lot of them were were good mentors for a young high school student. They didn't have to do anything for us, but they they were trying to to you know show us the ropes, so to speak. And then we walk in there one day, all new people, no one we knew, and all these new people are are trying to get established there at the station. So it's like, well, who? What are we going to do now? But that that happened as I said, like midway through our, our senior year, and, and we were able to weather the storm. But what it also did um, for me, Trent, was that, that kind of set uh, a red flag uh, to me that, you know, maybe the whole music side of this, the, the disc jockey side of this, was something that after I saw what had happened to all these people, it kind of scared me. And I've told you this before, and I've shared this from time to time with our listeners. My my total background growing up was in sports. My father was a longtime high school football coach in, in Philadelphia. Sports was always a, a huge part of our family, not only my, my, my father, but my grandparents. So I always knew sports was something I wanted to do. You just get to the point when you're in high school that you realize yourself as a participant in whatever sport you liked and played, your options were going to be limited. Whether or not you're going to be able to play in college or professionally, all of a sudden some of those dreams start to disappear. And so when I went to college, I pursued a broadcasting career. And, um, and I kind of focused more on sports than music. I kind of got the whole music, disc jockey, thing out of my system and i thought you know I, i've always been a big sports fan i've always known sports and i want to kind of shift gears still stay in broadcasting pursue that as a, a career path but maybe focus more on sports and i always remember listening to games on the radio when i grew up there was no cable tv so in, in our city there there might have been the three major networks cbs nbc abc then all of a sudden a few uhf tv channels came about that was back in the days before you had a remote control yet you, you had to go up to the tv and manually change channels so once you had it on a channel you didn't want to have to get up and keep changing channels <laughs> all the time so you just you just kind of sat through whatever happened to be on the air because you didn't want to have to move and get up and change it but um i i started to focus in on sports and and initially i went to uh temple university which was in my hometown um, uh, commuted there, and um, I just kind of became a little bit disillusioned my freshman year because it was hard to get your foot in the door as far as getting involved with your college radio station because there there, there was a chain there, and and I I I got it. I mean the the juniors and seniors in college were the were the ones that are, were occupying more of the on air responsibilities, and you kind of had to pay your dues to 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 go up the chain, but I, I was impulsive, and I, I I just didn't want to have to think that I had to go, you know, for my freshman and sophomore year, and then maybe I'd get my foot in the door and get a chance to do some on-air broadcasting by the time I was a junior. So I eventually transferred, and I went to a, a, a small college in Jacksonville, Florida, and as soon as I got there, since it was smaller, there weren't as many students, they had a, a good um, broadcasting program there, and uh, I got my foot in the door right away. I, w I was doing just what I wanted to do. I was on the air. Uh, it was a carrier station that could only be heard, um, you know, in a very small radius, mostly within inside the, the, the campus. And 
Um, so, you know, whether or not many people could hear you, you were behind a microphone, you were in a studio, you, you were doing what you wanted to do, and that kind of set me on my career path. And I know that this is turning into a really long story, but uh, there, there were a lot of steps along the way. And, and so from, from being in Jacksonville, one of the things when I was there was they had a double-A farm team. Uh, when I was there, uh, that was back in the in the 80s, uh, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, the double-A team was part of the Kansas City Royals. And I thought, hey, you know, this is one of the few professional, not major league sports teams in this town. I'll start to go to games and maybe do some interviews, and it'll, it'll help me. I'll get to know some people. And as it turned out, their, their games were on the radio, and I became friends with their radio announcer, who, uh, lo and behold, happened to be from Philadelphia, my hometown. So we, <laughs> we struck up, yeah, struck up an immediate rapport. Um, he he became a, a great mentor and a great friend. And from being around there a lot, I, I tried not to make a pest of myself. But I tried to become visible. I would go and sit in the press box. They would they granted me a press pass, and I would keep score and and you know talk to people, sports writers that were there. Obviously, there weren't a whole lot of people in the press box, but I got to know everyone, and I became a familiar face, I guess. I got to know the the people operating the team, and then lo and behold, one night I'm in the press box, and their radio announcer Steve Zager, who I just referenced a moment ago was a little bit under the weather and I was unaware of that, you know, I'd always pop in before the game we talk and then it was time for him to go on the air. And it was kind of a one man show as it is with a lot of minor league teams. And he wasn't feeling real good. Then I didn't share that with me when I first saw him, but we were in, maybe the game was in the second or third inning. And he, during the commercial break, he came down to the press box and he knew I was there. And he said, Hey, would you ever want to come on the air tonight? And, um, he goes, I'm not feeling real good. He, and I go, would I want to come on the air? Or, you know, I'm like, thinking, I can't believe he's asking me this. And I said, well, I said, let me, can, can I think about it? He goes, he goes, I'll come back next half minute when the commercials are on. And he goes, you gotta, you gotta let me know one way or another. So sure enough, like that, that half inning ended up being like a, a three batter inning. It probably was like about 10 pitches. Um, I'm kind of sitting there, like hyperventilating, like thinking, "What am I going to say?" And so he, he came back, as I knew he would, and he goes, "Come on, you want to you want to come in?" And I said, "All right, I'll do it." So he he had already set up another microphone, uh, a headset, and you know that I can hear the commercials, and and then it was time to c- come back on the air, and he was obviously going to come back on the air, and then and this is a true story, Trent, and I've told this before. Um, I don't know how many. Uh, people have heard the story, but I'm sure some listening haven't heard it. But uh, he came back on the air, set the scene. We're at Wolfson Park in Jacksonville, and, and the Jacksonville Suns are playing the Chattanooga Lookouts. And he says, the next thing he says is, he goes, and to take you through the next inning, the play-by-play, here's Terry Smith. <laughs> I, I look at him, and I'm thinking, w- w- what? You know, I'm not saying that on the air. And, and then he's like giving me a thumbs up and then he takes his headset off. And the next thing you know, either I freeze and don't say anything or I give it my best shot. So I thought, well, he's giving me a chance. I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going I'm going to just do it. I had already been keeping score. So, you know, I had all the, you know, the, the previous batters information on my score sheet, da, 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 da. And I just take off and start describing the game and then um, I, I look over my shoulder and he was at the doorway because he wasn't going to necessarily completely get out of the booth unless he knew I was at least talking and I look back and he's at the doorway and he had a smile on his face and he gave me a thumbs up and then I thought all right um, you know in, this, in my head I'm thinking I guess I'm doing okay and then I look back another minute or two later and he was gone and then what he had done was he had gone back into the press box and someone turned the radio on and they were all listening, um, you know, to me on the radio. And uh, that, I got through that half inning and then he kind of popped in during the commercial break and he said, you're doing a good job. And uh, 
it was it was amazing because that's how I got started, and that was in 1977. And you know, just thinking about it here because I've had so much free time, it, it gets me emotional. But that's how that's how I got my break. And, what an inc- um, you know, from from there forward, I went from um, Jacksonville. Eventually, at the end of that year, just to kind of wrap up that phase of the story, he was offered a job as um, a TV sports anchor in that town, and so he took it. And then, uh, you know, the team had to find an announcer, and I had helped him out um, on occasions after that very first night. And then when he took the television job, the team approached me. I was still in college, and they said, you want to be our announcer? I go, are you kidding me? And uh, I said yes. And then um, I was in Jacksonville for three years, moved to Memphis, uh, which was in the same league. I got to know their their people. Their announcer uh, was Rick Liz, who who is now uh, the radio announcer uh, for the Seattle Mariners. Rick Liz left his job in Memphis and went to Columbus. And so the Memphis people said, hey, would you be interested in switching jobs? Memphis kind of had a reputation of developing announcers, and, and their franchise was one of the premier ones in the Southern League back in those days. They're now in AAA. And they they courted me, and uh, uh, I ended up taking the job. And then, um, as I said, Rick Liz went from Memphis to Columbus, and then a couple of years later, I'm in Memphis for two years. Rick Reeves leaves Columbus to take a job with the Seattle Mariners, and I, I become aware that he's leaving. He had mentioned that he was leaving Columbus to go to Seattle, and he said, you know, my job's going to be open there. I applied for the, the Columbus job, and, I, you know, I they, they were aware that I was the announcer that had replaced him in his previous stop, and so that intrigued them, and they and I replaced him for for a second time in another city in Columbus, and then was there for um, you know 19 years, which is as you know I I did a lot more things than just um, Columbus baseball, which at the time it's the Yankees, and and every single Yankee great of the 90s I knew in the minors. You can go through the, the whole list of them: the Jeters, the Mariano Rivera's, the Pettits, the Posadas, the Bernie Williams, the Gerald Williams, anyone that you can imagine, all that core of great Yankee players came through Columbus. I knew Derek Jeter when he was 20 years old, um, and all those guys. And then uh, my job eventually evolved into doing the Yankees AAA, Ohio State football and basketball for for, uh, well over a decade. And then in, uh, after the 2001 season, the Angels, two announcers, Mario Pemba and Darren Sutton, each left the Angels to go to television jobs. And uh, Rex Hudler, who um, was involved with the um, Angels TV at that time, this is back in the early 2000s, was a good friend of mine. And we had met through our association with Columbus. Rex was a former first-round pick of the Yankees, and he moved up the ladder, and we were we were together in, in Columbus my very first year there in 1983. Don Mattingly happened to be on that team as well. Johnny Oates was our, our manager, former major league player and major league manager. Uh, Rex called me up and he said, he, he likes to call me Smitty. He said, Smitty, we got two openings here in, in Anaheim, and, and you need to fill one of them. And I said, well, I said, you know, if uh, – I'm pretty content where I am here in Columbus. If you can guarantee me that the people with the Angels had no one that they're targeting to lure to bring there to take over for the two radio announcers, if I know I would get a fair shot at this, um, I might be interested. And he came back and uh, a day or two later and called me and said, please send them a tape. They want to hear your tape. And um, from that point on, Trent, Things happen really fast, and and before we knew it, that that process probably started in late 2001, and by the end of uh, January 2002, just before spring training, I was hired along with Rory Marcus to 
to take over the, the Angels radio broadcast, and I guess right now the rest is history. So long story, there's a lot of other things that happen along the way, but the thing that I do want to kind of point out to people, and, and maybe this will just let people know that, you know, hard work can get you to where you want to go. There's no guarantee it will. And um, you, you can do this on your own. I'm the only person ever in the history of my family that, that got into the broadcast business. I didn't have, you know, a father who was a, a great major league announcer or an uncle or a cousin. Um, you, you can do this on your own if you're willing to accept every challenge, give it everything you got. Again, you, you can give it everything you got, and there's still no guarantees. But the, but the one thing that I will would like to stress, and I've told this to people before in, in speeches and just talking to people individually, is your, your dreams end when you stop pursuing your dream. I can guarantee you that. As long as you keep pursuing it, you still have a shot. But the minute you give up on it, your dream is over. So you can control it to some degree on your own. You can't control it completely on your own but you can end it on your own if you decide to stop pursuing your dreams. So I would encourage anybody in any walk of life, if you want to be a broadcaster, if you want to be a lawyer, if you want to be a doctor, if, if you just you know, want to own your own business, as long as you keep the dream alive, the dream stays alive. But the moment you decide, I can't do this anymore, or it's not working out, or all this doubt starts to creep in your head, that's when the dream ends. Great advice right there, Terry. And I'm sitting here listening to that going, you're exactly right about, you know, this is uh, any walk of life and any occupation that you're in. Uh, and what a story. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I, I do want to go back to Columbus for a moment because while sure. you were there, you also did Ohio State football. And if I recall correctly, Terry, uh, you've had some famous partners that you've worked with, including one that we see quite often on ESPN. Am I correct? <laughs> Well, I, I, and, I, and you're talking about Kirk Herbstreet, who, um, you know, I got to know when he was playing uh, as the Ohio State football announcer. And, and the, the thing about that job, Trent, and I, I probably shared this with you before, the thing, you know, you know uh, college football is a religion for a lot of people. And certainly in Columbus, Ohio, it's, it's the biggest sporting event in, in that city, year in and year out. I mean, when I was doing their games on the radio, we had, I guess, probably 70 radio stations in the state of Ohio, some in West Virginia, that, that carried our games. On any given Saturday, we had over 2 million listeners. And back then, not all the games were on TV like they were that they are now. So uh, my wife would always tell me a story. If she didn't go to a home game, and she went in to most of them, but if she went, and this always, and I'll never forget it, and it always kind of makes me smile. She said if she went to a mall on an Ohio State football Saturday, she said you could be walking through the mall and and um, all the different stores, you know, whether they had their doors open or once you walked inside their, their stores, and this is an enclosed mall I'm referring to, she said you could hear me on the radio because – they all had the games being played on the radio in every single wow. store. So, uh, you know, and you never think of these things, you know, like I would have never known that unless she told me. But she says it's unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, that, you took a lot of pride in that. And, uh, you know, back, back to who you were mentioning, some of, of my partners, um, one of them was, uh, was Kirk Herbstreet, and I knew him when he was a player. And we, we developed a rapport when I, and he knew I was the Ohio State announcer. I would go to, I tried to go to practice at least once a week, uh, sometimes twice a week. I was over at the, at the facility, um, probably three or four times a week because I had a lot of, uh, responsibilities as far as getting interviews with our head coaches and things like that. But as far as physically attending practice, I did it at least one week. And so when you, when you're at a football practice, you're, you know, if you have the right um, credentials, and I would, obviously I did as their announcer, they, they would allow you right on the sideline of the practice field. And, you know, they're running plays, they're, they're practicing, getting ready for the week's upcoming game. And, you know, then some players would come off to the sideline, get a water break or towel down or, 
or get on an exercise bike, you know, on the sideline. And so guys would come up to you and you would talk to them. And, and Kirk, would, his senior year, he was a co-captain. He was a, a first-time starter in his senior year at quarterback. And he did a, he did a, a good job. I and mean, he wasn't drafted. He kind of knew when his playing days were over that he, he was going to have to get into the business world. But he just didn't know what business world he was going to get into. He wanted to stay in sports, but he knew as a player it wasn't going to happen in the NFL. So he he approached me near the end of his senior year about, you know, hey, is there anything I might be able to do, speaking of him, at, at the radio station that carried the games? And I said, well, let me, let me fish around a little bit. So, and again, he was coming out of college, no radio experience at all other than being interviewed from time to time as a starting quarterback at Ohio State. And so I, I talked to our people. I said, hey, uh, you know, Herb, Herb Street's looking for something to do. He, he would be a, a good resource for us because he's in tune with all the players, including the underclassmen who will be back playing after he graduates. I said, you know, he would be a, a good insider for us. He, he might be a guy that you know, we could utilize. So long story short, I was able to convince our people and we hired him to be our sideline reporter on our Ohio State football network radio broadcast uh, of all the games. And he did a really good job. I mean, you know, you'd send it down. Let's go to Kirk Herbstreit as a entry update on Joey Galloway or on Eddie George or, you know, whatever player, or they weren't always injury updates. They could be just things that he picked up on the sideline. Hey, guys, I just heard, uh, you know, the, the Buckeyes are, are, are thinking they can exploit the Iowa secondary. Just, just any kind of information heads up on things. And, and so uh, he, he, he did a terrific job his, uh, his first year out of college as our sideline announcer. So being on the sidelines every week, whether it was a home game or road game, when, when games were televised, he would be on the sideline with the TV sideline reporters. And, and he, he got to know them, and they would kind of pick his brain on the sideline because they knew he was a good insider as well. And, and Kirk developed a, a, a really good rapport with Lynn Swan, who was then an ABC college football sideline reporter. And in developing that relationship with him, and it, and it was just one that kind of evolved on random game day Saturdays, Lynn Swan had mentioned to Kirk that there were going to be some some switches at ESPN as far as their game day coverage, and that Craig James was going to leave that program, and he was going to be uh, involved in in uh, telecast more as an analyst as opposed to a a, a studio analyst, more in, uh, as a you know a, a guy in the booth, a, a color announcer, and so. They, ESPN calls Kirk Herbstreit, who's one year out of college, who's never done any television, good-looking guy, you know, young guy, and they say, we want to fly you up to Bristol for an audition to be on college game day. He, he comes in one day and tells me all this before anyone knows it, and I go, are you kidding me? He goes, I can't believe this is happening. And he goes, and, you know, he's saying, I'm so nervous, I, I don't know you know, if I'm even going to be able to talk, he's never done anything at a studio, any kind of studio work, yet alone at ESPN, a network. So he flies up there and he aces the, um, you know, the, the, the cameo, the, 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 the whole thing on, on set there. And he comes back and, you know, he calls me. I see him at the station and, he, and I go, how did he go? He goes, I, I don't know. They didn't say a whole lot but he said I, I thought I did a pretty good job and then within weeks he's hired to replace Craig James as a game day host with Chris Fowler who was hosting that show at that time and of course who to this day is still on that show and of course Herbie's still on it as well but his role is more now as, as uh, you know more of ABC or ESPN's lead college football uh, color analyst on, on television so that, that was a remarkable thing that happened for him. I mean, things just don't happen in this business like this. That guy had never been on a studio set in his life. 
and goes up there and and aces, you, you know, his, his opportunity. And you know, he, he's been there. He's been there ever ever since. And you know, and now the thing that's hard for me to believe, Trent, is that he's turned fifty years old because I knew him <laughs> when he was in college, when he was a teenager, and and in his early twenties. So. You know, we all get older as time goes on, but uh, you know, I, I I feel in a way that I had a very small part in, in what he's been able to accomplish. I gave him a foot in the door, like somebody else gave me, and then if you get your foot in the door, you got to run with it. And the ones that are able to do that and and keep grounded, and it gets back to what I said, are are the ones that have a better chance to pursue their dream and make their dream happen. And, uh, you know, that, that certainly happened. He, he deserves all the credit in the world from where he was to where he's gotten to today. I love that uh, Kirk Herbstreit story. That, that is so cool. And, and then, no, Terry Smith had a very large part to do with uh, Kirk Herbstreit becoming <laughs> well, the star that he is now. But, that, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a really cool story. Terry, I do want to move ahead now to your time with the Angels. Uh, while we still have a few minutes here. Um, you and I had we had a great time. Uh, I thought anyway, I had fun uh, going through the 2002 World Series run, and we did some zooms, and, and fans were interactive and a part of it. And, and boy, that was just such a blast doing that. And it was yep. cool hearing you tell those stories. You know, just reflect for a moment. What was it like for you just the last couple of weeks to go back and relive that 2002 World Series run that the Angels had? How did you enjoy that? Well, I enjoyed it immensely, Trent, and, you know, you, you never would have thought you would have been given an opportunity like this, but obviously circumstances were what, what dictated that, and, and I was glad that, you know, everybody came together to pull that off. I was uh, happy that, that uh, ownership and management allowed us to do that, and, you know, um, we, we did something that uh, I, I think in a way was trend-setting to allow people to, to – be a part of a, a forum like that. What, what you know, and, and I, I know I, I told this uh, during those Zoom webinars that we had with fans, but, you know, the, the, the 2002 season was my first one as a major league announcer. So uh, that year, the Angels win the World Series, and the Angels had never even won a playoff series in their franchise history. And, and the year before, in 2001, before I arrived, the Angels were 41 games out of first place. So no one in their wildest dreams could have ever imagined, anticipated, foreseen what was going to happen in 2002. And then to go back and have a chance to watch uh, some of those games, to listen some of the, to some of those games with uh, Rory Marcus and, and, and myself, uh, it, you know, just brought back, tremendous memories and you know there, there are obviously things over you know nearly 20 years since that happened that you're going to forget about specific games specific incidents uh specific nuances of games anything pertaining to that whole run from the the uh, division series against the yankees the championship series against the twins the world series victory against the giants and, and the way you know, it all came about as as down and maybe dejected as Angel fans were going into game six of the World Series with the Angels facing elimination and down three games to two. And then, you know, the way things were, uh, um, you know, going into game six, the Angels are down in that game five to nothing going to the bottom of the seventh inning. And it only had two hits in, in the first six innings and, and as bleak as it looked. And then to see you know, what ended up happening in the, in the seventh inning and obviously the eighth inning of game six and then the unbelievable, one of the greatest comeback wins, I think, uh, in, in World Series history, especially with a team facing elimination. Uh, you know, that, that was just amazing to, to kind of relive that and watch that and, and feel the emotion of that. And then, as I told you, in game seven, I, I thought everything was in the Angels' favor going into game seven. The, uh, a real demoralizing loss for the for the Giants. The Angels were at home. The momentum had shifted like leap folds in favor of the Angels. And then, you know, the Angels win Game 7, and, and 
uh, it wasn't like that was a, a blowout, but you know that that was the game. I, I think we had we had talked about it. Uh, it was four to one uh, going to the bottom of the third inning, and then there was never another run scored in that game. And and the Angels had only one hit after the third inning, and the Giants never really mustered much of a threat in in the seventh and deciding game. So yeah, to, to have a chance to relive that uh, you know feel uh, that energy of that. Uh, you know, was fantastic. And the other part of that trend is it also makes you crave for something like that to happen again. And, uh, you know, we, we've had a, a, a tough run here. I guess since, you know, 2009, the, the Angels have only uh, been to the postseason one time. So, and that, that didn't turn out real well either. So um, I, I would I would hope that, you know, we can get the, the corner turned again as far as, you know, 2020 and, and the 2020s and, and get this thing back, you know, where it was when we had, like, the unbelievable run, obviously, winning the World Series in 2002. And then there was a, a stretch of five times in six years. The Angels were in the postseason. That was from 04 through 09. And, and uh, it would be really something to, to – get that mojo back and and the, the the thing about this and we can talk a little bit about the the 2020 team if, if you want it, with this huge delay that we've had the shutdown in a way you know i've told some other people that i think this, this could work in the angels favor to some degree it could work in the angels favor in that the, the way things are proposed right now there will be more teams in the postseason in 2020 if we have a season and then the other thing that clearly uh, i think uh, turns out to be a benefit for the angels is the fact that if and when things do get going in the regular season and hopefully that's going to be in early july shohei otani could be immediately in the angels rotation you know knock on wood and maybe griffin canning who in spring training it, it looked like he wasn't going to be ready for the regular season when we thought that was going to be at the end of March. Maybe Canning could be ready for a restart of the season in early July. You know, only time will tell. I think Otani right now certainly is ahead of, of Canning. But, boy, if, if Shohei can return on the mound and pitch once a week for the Angels as a starter, that, that's a, a huge um, a benefit for the Angels. And it's a, a huge break for the Angels with an ab- abbreviated season and and – that's not even to mention, you know, the the addition of of Anthony Rendon, who you know people kind of forget about. This guy's waiting in the wings to to pick up on what he did with the Nationals last year and helping them win a World Series. He's a, another added piece that fans haven't had a chance to to watch yet in an Angel uniform in a regular season game. So there, there's a lot of pluses that could happen as far as how this team plays on the field because it's going to be an abbreviated season. Sure. And there's a lot of things that, that, you know, you kind of spark by thinking that, you know, we've talked a lot about the Angels offense and how special it could be, but having Shohei Otani for the full complement of, of the 82-game season, I mean, you're getting an ace. That's that's like picking up a, a free agent ace coming into this year that Otani brings, and you would you could possibly even assume that, you know, he may not have the same kind of uh, pitching restrictions that he would have had in a 162-game season. I'm sure he'll still have some restrictions but uh, it, right. you know, maybe everybody is going to have some restrictions. So it kind of levels the playing field a little bit. Um, so, Terry, here we are now coming up on, on closing in on, on 20 years as the play-by-play voice of the Angels on radio. Uh, this would be your 19th season coming up. What, uh, as, as you sit here now and get to, to look at, at what you've done so far and the time that you spend in the booth with Mark Langston and doing the games, how much – uh, do you just enjoy doing this now, and and what are you looking for and looking towards uh, here in the next couple of years? Well, um, you know, a, a couple things come to mind, Trent. As you know, in uh, in the last few years, I've had some minor health issues. Nothing to the extreme as my partner Mark Langston. Uh, I mean, what happened to him and 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 what he's gone through is a miracle. Um, I, I, I've, I've had some minor health issues, as you're aware, and they've been heart-related, but again, nothing to the uh, extent of, of, of Mark, and he's, he's a walking miracle. So 
one of the things that this delay in getting the season started that has been beneficial for me is my health. Uh, I right now feel better from a health perspective and, and again, had a corrective procedure in the offseason that was heart-related. I feel better health-wise than I have probably in the last three or four years. And every single medical person that I have talked to about my uh, situation has verified that. So from a peace of mind standpoint, health-wise, I feel like a, a new person. So, uh, and that, that, is, that is very encouraging for me from a peace of mind standpoint. The, the one, the, a couple things I'm looking forward to. When, when my tenure is over here as Angels announcer, I'll walk out the door having been the longest tenured announcer in the history of this franchise, and I'll walk out the door knowing that I was part of the greatest season in the history of this franchise. And um, no one is ever going to take that away from me. And I, I have a great deal of pride uh, knowing that when I'm, when I'm done as an angel announcer, and I'm not sure when that's going to be. Uh, I've, I've thought a lot about things like this. But again, from a health standpoint now, that, that, that issue has been resolved completely from what people have told me. So I feel rejuvenated. Now, am I going to do this when I'm 70 years old? I seriously doubt it. Um, uh, am, I, am I going to even remotely approach, uh, you know, what the Ernie Harwells and the Vin Scullys and, and some of these other legendary announcers achieve? That, 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 that's, that's not going to be me. I, I, I hold those people in such high esteem uh, for what they've done. I just want to be able to say that I accomplished my goal. I had my dream, uh, dream achieved, and uh, you know I'll know when when it's right for me to to walk away. But the, the the thing that I will say is what I am definitely looking forward to is the 20 year reunion of the 2002 championship team, and that'll be in year 2022 i i cannot tell you how much i'm looking forward to that to to see i was there for the 10-year anniversary to see the players come back and have a chance to see a lot of guys that i hadn't seen in a long long time some of them we still see to this day the you know the garrett anderson's the tim salmon the adam kennedy's uh you name it because they're all guys that for the most part are, are still back in Southern California, and they're around the ballpark. Troy Percival, there's you know, there's there's a good handful or more of them. Even in the case of of the current Angel team, the 2020 team, Mickey Callaway was a part of that championship team in '02. It was so great to see him in spring training. Joe Madden was the bench coach uh, for that team. He, he's the Angel manager now. Jose Molina was on that team. He's been on our coaching staff for a few years. Matt Wise was on that team. For, for a little bit in, in 2002, the championship team. He's our new bullpen coach. So to, to have these people back now w- with the current club is is something that, that I cherish and I was so looking forward to and was enjoying throughout spring training until it was shut down. But um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to 2022 to see, um, you know, the, the, the Spezios who I know you've, you've talked to and had on the – on the podcast and, and some of and, you know, maybe even some of the obscure guys I've told you before, I think we, we talked about it on our uh, zoom world series angel webinars uh, a number of weeks ago. One of my favorite players ever with the angels was Ramon Ortiz to see that guy come back uh, to Anaheim uh, would be a, a joy for me to, to have a chance to, to, to see him again. You know, these are some people you just kind of wonder if you're ever going to see them again in your life. And they were such a big part of all this the Washburns, the Lackeys, you know, you can go uh, up and up and down. Uh, Frankie Rodriguez coming back, uh, Brendan Donnelly. You can go on and on and on with all these different people that played a, a part of that. So I think 2022 is a season that uh, that I'm looking at and, and really um, hoping that, the, that, that these players are welcomed back even greater than they were, um, you know, 10 years 
after they won the championship in, in 2012. That, 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 to me, that year could be a real golden year again for the Angels. And maybe by that time in, in 2022, you know, we're, we're talking about the, the, the Angels starting another string that they maybe even began in 2020 as far as getting back to the postseason and, and really being a, a, a team that is a championship-caliber team. Uh, those are some of the things that I'm kind of looking forward to in, in, in the very near future. Terry, you have me fired up about Angels baseball. You have me motivated for life. I am so excited. <laughs> um, I, I, re- I really appreciate the time that you spent with us here today. Thank you. Uh, not just for today, Terry, you've been a mentor to me for the last five years, and I'm looking forward to very many more uh, spending time with you and continuing to learn from uh, who I think is one of the very best at what they do in your craft. So I appreciate that. I, I appreciate you joining us here on the program and uh, looking forward to seeing you and Angels baseball hopefully very soon. Well, Trent, uh, it's been great to have you uh, a part of, of what we do as far as Angels radio. Um, I, I see in you some of the drive that I saw in myself in my younger years, and and I know that you're you're not going to lose sight of your dream. And as as you're well aware, and you've heard me say it several times today, and probably in the past as well, you you know how the dream ends. You can end your dream, and I don't I don't sense you're going to end your dream. You're going to pursue your dream, and uh, you know when, when when people go in that direction. It's, it's not a guarantee that you'll achieve your dream, but, but it certainly sets you on the path to achieve your dream. And then you just have to have a little bit of luck, um, you know, just like the guy that got sick that asked me to come in and uh, do a half inning for him. And you have to take advantage of your opportunities, and, and I'm seeing you do that a lot. So uh, I, I'm, I'm confident we're all going to be back together here in some form, what, what that form is going to be. I think whatever issues the the owners and the players have to resolve as far as the 2020 season should be hopefully corrected shortly here. Uh, there, there will be peace among owners and, and players, and we'll get this game back on the field. The fans are craving for it, and, and I really feel, um, you know, uh, kind of um, sad for, for so many other people that this, this thing has affected. I mean, it's affected a lot of older people who might be shut-ins that enjoy listening to the games on the radio, watching them on TV, that becomes a part of their life from spring until fall, you know, following their favorite team. I feel, I feel bad for the, the concession workers and the ushers and the security people and the hospitality people and the behind-the-scenes people that this is all affected at Angel Stadium that, that, that you know, are employed by the Angels on a seasonal basis. So, uh, you know, whether or not all of those type of workers are going to be a part of baseball returning this year, you know, you can you can debate a lot of that because I don't know that we're going to have fans in the stands. But sooner or later, um, especially when we get to 2021, I think we'll hopefully be back to a, a, a situation sports-wise in this country that, that is somewhat close to the way we're so familiar with it and you know i I pray that that happens and i'm sure it will it's not anything that any of us can control right now we have to rely on people that are experts from a medical standpoint to to kind of figure this whole thing out and and eventually this this deadly virus will will run its course in one form or another and we'll be back to to you know hopefully where we were you know prior to all this happening so Thanks for having me on today, and, and uh, I hope that people that have a chance to listen to our podcast uh, come away with some new perspectives on things, and, and just just keep your head up and keep a smile on your face, and we're all going to get through this thing. Absolutely love it, Terry. Thanks again. Take care. Man, some really good stuff from Terry Smith right there, and I'm certainly very thankful for Terry for many things. Uh, thankful that he was able to spend so much time with us here on this show and give us a detailed background of his career and go through some of those stories. That was just a, a great listen, and a lot can be learned from that. And I'm not messing around when I say that Terry Smith is a mentor to me. Uh, it's not really a secret. Terry and I have talked a lot about this. What he does is something I'd like to do one day. And, and I, I think that Terry is a great, 
great voice and um, you know the job he does calling Angels baseball is outstanding and uh, he really has been a mentor to me and we spent a lot of time talking about a lot of different things I've had a chance to fill in for him uh, a couple of times getting a chance to call games uh, on the radio and some time at spring training and you know he knows this is something that I'd like to do one day and he has been unbelievably gracious above and beyond uh, in helping me in those ways and uh, I just want to do anything I can to help Terry Smith as well because uh, you know he doesn't need it but I want to be there and be a around so I can learn from him and uh, I, I think that it's a pretty cool thing we got going in that radio booth and him and Mark Langston are, are such a great team uh, love getting a chance to listen to them on a nightly basis so that's going to just about do it for us here on the Angels Recap Podcast hey by the way while you're here you might as well go click around and, and check out some of the other conversations we've had on this podcast in the last few weeks Tim Salmon, Jim Abbott so we've had Scott Spezio on which Terry referenced, we had Mark Langston, Terry partner last week mark gubaza has been on the show uh tori hunter there's been a lot of really good conversations so go check those out i appreciate everybody that's a subscriber as well if you're a subscriber you get that alert right away when our podcast comes out so you can kind of hear it before anybody else does so uh, that's one of the perks there everything's totally free as well uh, here in this podcast space just trying to get you through this quarantine time and hopefully we can get back to actually talking about real live new baseball happening and uh, hopefully we don't have to wait too much longer for that for all of us here at the angels recap podcast my name is trent rush have a great rest of your day and looking forward to seeing you next week It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.